I mean, you know, how many times have you been in a group and somebody wants you to pray for their friends, great uncles, cousins, third boyfriend whose grandfather was sick uh, because of whatever? I mean, and then um, who brings a sandwich to prayer? Anybody? And, you know, and then that, uh, the crinkling sound of the, of the candy wrappers. I've run into a couple people like that. And then the obnoxious cell phone. I, you know, sometimes uh, this is kind of what, the way our prayer life is, that we kind of get to this place where we're really, really not sure what we're supposed to do. And, and sometimes prayer life um, can feel a little bit awkward. And depending upon uh, what's going on and, and who's in the room with us and what we're trying to accomplish, uh, it, it just doesn't work sometimes. One of the things I'm hoping we can do over the next two weeks is to talk about prayer and its significance, but more importantly, really talk about the importance of prayer, but, but also why we pray. Because I think sometimes we lose sight of what prayer is. A couple things, I think prayer is probably uh, one of the most powerful tools that we have as Christians. Uh, we can go to prayer and we can engage in prayer. And I think that it's also one of the most powerful tools that we forget about. Because depending upon our circumstances and situations, we may or may not be trying to tap into it or we, we might not be. So I think prayer kind of, uh, if we were to look at a pendulum, so to speak, I think one end of the prayer spectrum is, is that we see God as like a vending machine, okay? And that prayer life can kind of be like, God, I, I need money for the rent, or God, uh, help me have a, a nice parking space out in front of Starbucks today or something like that. Or, or we're asking God to, to deliver and give, give us the good, so to speak. That's, that's kind of one side of prayer. So we see God as this celestial vending machine that we want like the, the creator of the universe to just give us what we ask for because that's what God's supposed to do, just kind of give it to us. The pendulum swings, uh, swings the other way. And, and this is kind of where we get to that point where, where we've kind of forgotten about what prayer can do and we find ourselves in a desperate situation. And in that desperate situation, we kind of understand that there's really nothing else we can do. There's nothing humanly we can do. There's, there's nowhere we can turn. And we just kind of turn to God in prayer and we cry out for help. So that's kind of the two spectrums. But the question is, what's happening here in the middle? And, and is, is that really what prayer is supposed to be? One of those two spectrums. And I think as we look at this together, we're going to find out some significant pieces of what prayer can do, and more importantly, how we're to view that. You know, my, my grandmother told me uh, a great truth, and she said that if you will just pray for something, God will bring it to you. Now, I don't know if your grandparents taught you that. My grandmother taught me that. And, and I think probably she got that out of Mark's Gospel, eleven twenty four, where Jesus says, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you will have received it. So Jesus is saying, just believe that you've already gotten it, and it will be yours. And I think sometimes we lose kind of sight of that. We, we kind of play into that, 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 that this is this kind of this entree before God where, where we can ask for whatever we want, however crazy it is, and we're supposed to get it. And when it doesn't come, that's when we find ourselves kind of distraught, right? We find ourselves in those places. But that, that's not what Jesus meant. Jesus didn't mean whatever you want to ask for, however outrageous that might be, just ask for it and it comes, what he was trying to say to us is, is that prayer is really enjoining ourselves to the very heart of God. And that's the important part of where it is, that prayer is this love relationship with God. The Apostle Paul writes about this in Romans 5. 
And Paul talks about this great sacrifice uh, that Jesus makes, that, that while we're sinners, that, that Christ even chose to die for us. But he, but he unravels for us some important things that we need to know about this partnership, and more importantly, this, this word called relationship. Listen to what Paul writes. He said, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were yet sinners. So he's, he's talking about this, this magnanimous love that God has for us and this relationship piece that's there. He goes on to write, since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So this relational peace, this connectivity, he goes on to say, so now that we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God, because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. So, so this is, Paul is kind of, he's, he's, he's leaning us into this important part of saying that, that this relationship that God has with us is special, and that we need to be in tune with this relationship, and we not, need not just see this, this uh, uh, aspect of dealing with God as something that's just like um, out there, but that it's intimate and it's true. So let's go back to verses 8 and 11. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die while we were still sinners. And verse 11, so now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made friends with us. Paul says the key lies in relationship. And so as we're thinking about prayer over the next couple of weeks and, and as we think about prayer in general, we want to think about this whole relatability piece. We want to move away from maybe how we've seen prayer as going to God to get the goods, but more importantly, that relationships are what it's all about. When I was in seventh grade, summer came, and a little girl that I had a crush on went off to a trip in New York. And I was brokenhearted, you know, and, and, and so we had made a pact together because we were in love, okay? So, so I made a pact with her that when she went off to New York, that we would stay in touch. Now, the challenge was, Back then, we didn't have cell phones, we didn't have the internet, we didn't have Zoom, we didn't have Instagram, we didn't have any of the communication pieces that we have today. You actually had to make a phone call to somebody. And I wasn't going to do this at my house because my parents would not have um, allowed me to make a call that costs money. So I was going to make a person-to-person -person phone call. So we had scheduled that I'd make a phone call on this date at this time, and she swore that she would be there to answer the phone. So I go down to the 7-Eleven, I dump in about $10,000 worth of quarters, you know, to make this, you know, uh, call, this person-to-person -person call. I'm on the call for maybe two minutes, and the operator's asking for some more money. And I'm going like, wait a minute, wait a minute. So we, we kind of shared our, our little love for each other and all that stuff, and a couple weeks later, I found out when she wouldn't answer my next call, she had dumped me for a guy that looked like Justin Bieber, okay? And so, so communication... Communication was the key. And so today we communicate a lot differently. We, we communicate in ways that are a lot different. It's digital, it's accessible, it's out there. It can happen in a moment's notice. And yet we are the most communicative people today. And we can be in relationship with people through communication in so many ways today. And yet statistics still tell us 
that we're challenged in our relationships, we're challenged in our, in our marriages, we're challenged in our homes, we're challenged in, in all the ways in which we deal with each other. Even though we have this instantaneous way to communicate that something still isn't working. Sociologists and psychologists tell us that communication is the essential part of a functional relationship. And communication is the key. And the question becomes, how do you choose to communicate? And we as Christians choose to communicate with God through prayer. And so the question is not how good the prayer is or, or the words that we select, but the question is, how are we engaging in that process? The word communication stems from the Latin root communis, from which we get the words community, and we get the word communion, coming together, the importance. It's an inherent in that. Communication can't be determined by technology. It has to be determined by relationships. And prayer has been described as a communication with God, but it can't be defined by techniques. Max Stokes says it this way. He says that, that prayer is an interpersonal communion with God. Our finite souls are communing with and encountering God in person-to-person -person experiences. Let me say it a different way. Prayer is the bridge which allows us to be in person-to-person -person contact with God. So prayer is this important part. But we can't just make this conversation with God one way. God, I need this. God, show me this. God, help me with that. God, determine this. God, I need to know this or that. We need to be listening. A relationship is built upon two people. It's not one way. And oftentimes we, we get discouraged in our prayer life because we say we can't hear God or God's not hearing us, or, or God's not giving us what we've asked for. And the question becomes, are we seeing it as a relationship, or are we seeing it morally at, mostly as a transaction? So prayer is the way in which we draw unencumbered into the presence of the one who made us. When we pray, we come in contact with the one who says that they, he knows all the numbers of the hairs on your head, when we pray, we come in contact with the one who says that I knew you before you were ever in your mother's womb, and I called you by name. When we pray, we are connecting with the one who said, while you were still a sinner, I died for you, and therefore I have given you life. So God calls us into new life through this action of prayer. So God is inviting us, and he's wooing us to become a part of that. So if this is what prayer is supposed to look like, why do so many of us have such challenges with our prayer life? I think it's because many of us encounter God in prayer because we want to ask him for something. We don't see the, the relationship with God in communication and in communion, but we look at it as, God, I'm speaking to you now because I'm in need of something. Something has happened, I need something, something is awry, so therefore God, come and deliver this to me. But when we reduce our prayer to that form of, of selfish wants, prayer can become a source of doubt. And all of a sudden we're praying and we're asking for things and it's not happening, it brings doubt. Why does it bring doubt? Because God doesn't give us everything we ask for. That's the first reason why. And secondly, doubts arise when we think primarily of prayer as petition because we lose sight of the different meaning of it, namely communion and personal encounter with God. And so therefore, we need to understand the importance of prayer. 
The blessings of a life in prayer aren't supposed to be transactional. The blessings of a life of prayer are to be continuous because we are constantly praying and in communion and in community and in relationship with our Creator. So therefore, as we begin to develop this kind of prayer life, we see the significance of the changes that come out for us. There are three reasons why we should pray. Here's the first one, because God wants us to. God wants us to pray. God knows our hungers. God knows our needs. God made us. He knows everything intimately about us. And he calls us and desires us to be praying people. When we survey the Old Testament, look at some of the people that we see that are some of the great giants of our faith. David, King David was a prayer. Moses was a prayer. Abraham was a prayer. Hannah was a prayer. Deborah the judge was a prayer. Elijah the prophet was a prayer. All of these individuals, they weren't based upon their prayers, based upon transactions and dependent upon what was happening. They engaged in a lifelong process of communicating with their creator. In the New Testament, Jesus is a great example, as well as his apostles. Jesus prayed at his baptism. He prayed the 40 days in the wilderness as he was fighting the temptations of the devil. He prayed when he withdrew from the crowds. He prayed before he selected his disciples. He prayed in Gethsemane, that prayer in John 17, where he poured out his heart for us. He prayed on the cross. He prayed as he calls you and me into fellowship. He prayed And he even taught us to pray something that we don't like to pray. And that's to pray for our enemies, the people who harm us and hurt us, the people who don't have what's best for us. The second reason why we're called to pray is because we require it. So not only does does God want us to, but we require it. Why? Because we are lonely people by character. And because we're lonely, we need community. We need to connect. We need to attach to someone. And that's when we, when we go through a crisis and experience loneliness and longing, that's why our hearts naturally draw us to God. Because all of a sudden we're feeling even lonelier and we desire God and we want to connect in that way of prayer. And lastly, the reason why we pray is because the kingdom emerges through it. When you and I pray, we become in tune with God's will. When you and I pray, we we become in tune with God's desire and hopes not only for our life, but for the kingdom's purpose itself. And when you and I are in praying with God, we are in tune with, with God's desire for us and God's desire to lead us and God's desire for us to be contributors to his kingdom's purpose. So let me ask you this morning, what is it that you're seeking from God? What is it that, that you've been praying about and, and, and you feel like you just haven't heard or you don't know yet what the next thing is? Maybe, maybe it's time to change how you're praying. Maybe instead of seeing God as the one we run to to say, give us the answers or give us the solutions or provide whatever it is that we're asking for, maybe prayer needs to be, God, I wanna know you more. And when I know you, I sense you. And when I sense you, I know you're here. And when you're here, then I know I'm not alone. And the depth that comes from that. Maybe it's time to break this rhythm of what prayer has become. Prayer was not designed to be about giving us what we want. Prayer, God designed prayer for one purpose, 
so that your heart and his heart can be one.